A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means adult language is probably going to be present. Just so you know. It must have been the mistletoe, the lazy fire, the fallen snow, the magic in the frosty air, that feeling everywhere. It must have been the pretty lights that glistened in the silent night, or maybe just the stars so bright that shined above you. The midnight ride upon a sleigh The countryside all dressed in white That crazy snowball fight It could have been the steeple bell That wrapped us up within its spell It only took one kiss to know It must have been the mistletoe From the Bedlam Podcast Network, this is A Tiny Revolution celebrating our everyday victories while telling the stories and having the conversations that actually matter. I'm Kevin Garcia, and uh, welcome to episode 15! We're so close to 20 episodes, and that's crazy to me, um, because it was just, you know, 15 episodes ago that we had no episodes. Um, I don't know, it just it just gets me excited, like, what's it going to look like in 100 episodes, right? And that just got me thinking about just trying to stay encouraged in these times about, yeah, I'm about to go on a preaching tangent, so just come with me. Um, This week I've been really thinking a lot about hope, and I've been really thinking a lot about what it means to, what does it mean to be, like, viciously hopeful? Especially in times like this, like, the world is kind of falling apart. It's interesting to think about what what does it mean to stay viciously hopeful in a time when there's no cause for hope whatsoever. I've especially thought about this when it comes to my creative process, my my projects that I'm working on, which is like A Tiny Revolution, the blog, my book, um, and then also thinking about creating a live event uh, for LGBT training, like LGBT 101 for Christians is kind of what I'm, I'm thinking. But it, it just got me thinking, I'm just like, am I even doing the right thing? Like, do I, should I be thinking in a different direction? Should I... You know, should I be doing the podcast? Am I wasting my time? Or should I be even working on this book? Because what if it doesn't sell? The big question I kept asking is like, am I doing the right thing? And I know so many of us are asking the same thing because life doesn't look exactly like we thought it was going to. A lot of us maybe went to college and got our degree and we got the job. and We thought that was what we were supposed to do and what we were supposed to do would make us happy, but it left us disenchanted. Or maybe you are someone who's older and you're married and you went and had the kids and, you know, you're just getting, you just realize that maybe you left your joy somewhere back before, before the husband or wife or before the kids or before the big job even. And so maybe you're asking, did I do the right thing? 
Well, I don't know how to answer that question, to be truthful. How do we really know if we're doing the right thing? I don't think we do. I think we just have to trust in what God is doing us, what feels like the natural flow of who we're created to be. And also, I think we need to take solace in the fact that the fact that we're even asking if we're doing the right thing means that we're at least on the right path. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so many people who will go their entire lives free from self-critique and free from questioning, and they're just kind of doing what everyone does. Um, They're just going through whatever emotions they're going through. But what it does show, so the question is, am I doing the right thing? And I think that if you're asking that question, if you're doing self-reflection, if you are really, truly engaging with yourself and with God, you're going to know. I think you're at least walking towards something that God will use. So yes. If you're asking that question, you're on the right path. And if you haven't been asking that question, maybe you should ask that question of yourself. Ask yourself, am I doing the right thing? And if the answer is yes, keep going. I think after this week went by, I finally got the revelation that yes, I I am on the right path. I am doing the right thing. So for example, well, not really for example, just an example that kind of just showed me that yes, I am doing the right thing is... I got a text message from a friend who got an email from somebody else who got sent a picture of somebody wearing a shirt that said Bad Theology Kills, which linked them up with my Instagram, which linked them up with the Reformation Project, and they didn't know that other LGBT Christians existed or that there was a program out there teaching people the biblical case for lgbt inclusion and that shirt you know i've only there's only been like 43 that have been printed so what's the chances that some random person from the internet gets sent a picture of one you know badass shirt from someone some random person's instagram and their whole world is changed all i did was put that design up online You know, I designed it, I put it up, I advertised it, and then somebody somewhere found hope. Just one little simple thing, doing the diligent thing of creating whatever it is you're here to create, you know, to co-partner with God in the creation of beautiful renewal in this world. That's your only job. And so today I'm really thankful Today I'm thankful that I am doing what I'm doing because I can see that it's a uh, it's doing something for somebody. And even if I never sell my book, even if this podcast never blows up, even if I do not get to speak and let that be my full vocation, I I'm I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing because at least one person has changed and that's all I can do, you know. I don't have to save the world. I don't even have to change the world, but I do have to love the world that's in front of me. So that's your weekly encouragement.
Before I jump into what we're doing this week, I wanted to give you the dates again. I am currently in talks with Christopher Newport University to do a gig at my old alma mater to talk about my story and LGBT inclusion. If you want to be booked up for 2017, I would love to come see you. I would love to talk to your school, your church, your university. Um, go to thekevingarcia.com speaking to learn more about how to make that happen. Additionally, I'm going to be at the Gay Christian Network Conference this January. It's the first week. If you haven't registered or don't know about it, it's the Gay Christian Network Conference, the largest gathering of LGBTQ uh, Christians and allies in the world. Last year, I believe the attendance was uh, 13 or 1,400 people. It's sure to continue to grow as people become more accepting, as people get more connected with this great organization. And I am excited to lead worship there, as well as two workshops, one alongside Matthias Roberts and the other by myself. So you can get all that info at GCNConf.com. That's GCNConf.com. All right, so this week, rather than doing something kind of heavy, um, I decided to just give you one of my conversations with one of my friends, because we haven't done that in a long time. Uh, this conversation was recorded about a week and some change ago. It was It's me and my friend Daniel Bass. We were crushing some Christmas beers, talking theology, talking sexual ethics, as one casually does. And Daniel also tells his story, so you have a little bit about where he comes from. He is a, a wonderful human, and I love him, and I can't wait for you to get acquainted with him. This is my conversation with Daniel Bass, and I hope that you enjoy it. We have in the the 603 con cerveza in hand or Christmas cerveza. Sure. Um, cerveza de Navidad. Feeling very festive. Also great Spanish. Thank you. Wow, sound effects. Yeah, I want them to know one time. I like to like whenever I'm doing things like this. Yeah. I don't typically like I'll, any. If there's an awkward moment or like mm. a live thing that's happening, mm. I'll usually leave it in. And then I'll also talk about what that I'm going to leave it in. Well, that's cool. So it's that's, not super meta. Like, yeah. the moment happens, you refer to the moment, the moment then is captured. Then recorded and talked about later. I'm already exhausted, but I'm thrilled <laughs> about it. So, uh, Daniel and I are here to talk about dating, maybe. Which is, like, hilarious because... Neither one of us uh, have done much of that. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I'm trying to make up for lost time, but, you know, kind of fresh on the scene in some ways yeah because you well because your story is different than most people because you were out mm-hmm. and then you became a Christian mm-hmm. and uh, committed to celibacy for for that time right so yeah it's a confusing thing because I feel like a lot of times people are like oh you're out now it's like no Bubba like I came out when I was 17 or 18 um, so I was a very happy out and proud gay person um, then uh, met some Christian people, started going to church with them, became a Christian, was swept into the evangelical tide, mm. sort of inherited the um, it's not okay to be gay script, um, and investigated that as far as I could in a, like, mm. oh, with integrity. Um, sort of reached the limits of my capacity to run with that narrative. Um, but during that time, it was definitely like the... yeah. The, like, poster child for 
side B Christianity. Sure, yeah. Celibate gay. And, and um, also, <coughs> you pursued... <coughs> thank Ooh, you. Yeah. We're fine. Um, <laughs> but you got your Master's of Ministry uh-huh. and became uh, a youth director? So, in the process of joining the church, um, like really swiftly, like maybe a couple months after baptism, started leading a small group. Did that Whoa, for... Whoa, you're ambitious. Oh, I was I'm going to be a I real was, good Kirk channel. Yeah, I was the best Kirk channel of tomorrow. Um, read all my CS verse. Because um, you're also an eight, too, which is the... Slow down. You're giving the people too much to no, say. No, they know. Okay, on the Enneagram test, I'm an eight. Um, let's put that to the side for now. Yes, um, was a small group leader, was helping out with our homeless ministry, was serving communion, was occasionally leading worship, like all the stuff, all the stuff in the church. I was like, hey, I kind of love this the most. Let me go ahead and get an education in it right quick. So I got a master's degree in ministry and then became um, a youth pastor at our church. So I did a year-long fellowship program. And then everyone was like, hey, you're great at this. We like you so much. I was like, yeah, me too. I'm having a great time. Why don't we hire me? And so that happened. Why don't we hire me? Yeah. Um, Became a youth pastor at our church. Loved it so much. Um, Built this wonderful, scruffy, crazy youth group up from zero to hero in no time flat. And Love the reference. Here for it. Uh, and then um, shit got squirrely because it was like our church was getting closer and closer to a sort of definitive stance on the gay thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of simultaneously moving in the opposite direction, which was, which was really confusing and so they were moving towards a non-affirming position. You were moving towards actually, maybe actually, this is okay. Yeah, and I, ugh, it's funny because I think that it's important. I think the the phrase non-affirming doesn't even feel fitting because it, it's not nuanced enough. Mm. Um, that feels like we're saying wholesale. This church does not mm-hmm. does not honor, approve of, right. care for um, LGBTQ people which is not the case. Like, it's a church that strives yeah. really hard to figure out how to love people given the model they understand for... Um, what marriage is. Biblical fidelity. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, praise the name of the Lord. That's the lay of the land. Now I'm in this crazy place where I'm post-working in the church. Um, ministry has to look different now because it's not mm-hmm. vocational, per se. Um, and I'm this week going to be 32... Yeah, and just started dating for the first time in almost a decade. So we're learning new things. We're trying some stuff out, seeing what's what. Cheers to you, mate. Hey, muchas gracias. Mm-hmm. So, in your experience, I can't even say in your experience because your experience is such a niche experience. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. At least, okay. So, like, going from like. Did you deal with any like post uh, post coming like re coming out, if you will, as an affirming person? Did you deal with any like post that guilt or mm. post coming out guilt, especially around dating? God, what a great question! Um, so there have been so many like stages of stuff to deal with. So like in the beginning, there is hey, all you Christian people. You may or may not know this. I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then the Christians were like, that's cool, we love you anyway. By the way, here's this book entitled You Don't Have to Be Gay. Um, <laughs> I read that one! It's horrid. It's awful. It's a dreadful, dreadful book. And um, if anyone hands it to you, please set it on fire immediately. Yeah. Um, so I read that. Disregard it. Throw it away. And then I was like, wait, am I gay because my dad wasn't nice to me? Exactly. Okay. So then like explored that. And so then like I'm living for all intents and purposes, like one like a well-meaning young Christian person who has no experience with gays would look at me and be like, oh, he's just a really cool, energetic sort of yeah. straight in the church. Yeah, because um, Christians have blinders on. Like you can exactly. like you can be the most obnoxious, flamboyant, effeminate man who's obviously gay in the church, and they will say he is passionate and full of the Holy Spirit. Mm, I would I would hazard to say that some of what you've just said betrays some internalized homophobia and we're just going to set that to the side that we would pair obnoxious with effeminate um and you can I would, edit I, that out if you okay desire. well let's just say that's what i would say about myself sure sure okay but, so we'll just put that on me yes but obnoxious and gay come from different places that's true <laughs> you're not obnoxious because you're gay you're just obnoxious because um, you're annoying right you're just obnoxious i know and uh, i try to work through that so that's something my therapists are talking about yeah um praise god so there's <laughs> there's that dimension of things um so I had this moment in probably 2011 where I was like, hey, everybody, like functionally, I've been living as a straight person in this community because we haven't been having conversations about my sexual orientation or the ways that that's like playing out. However, it feels really important to me to tell the people closest to me, I'm into dudes and that's Ooh. still something we need to be like open about and having conversations about. If for no other reason than to say like, if God is sovereign over sexuality and like God is... Um, in control of my life and like what he's doing around this area deserves to have a light shined on it instead of like swept under the rug because mm -hmm. who's that glorifying um it Nobody. just yeah it's tacky so there was that moment makes your, lug, your rug lumpy mm, lumpy rugs are not a blessing so um <laughs> that moment happened then you have circa kind of end of 2014 2015 my moving towards a, ooh, like, not sure the arguments for um, the traditional side of things, um, the conservative interpretation of scripture around same-sex sexuality are making as much sense as they used to. Also, reading books like um, James Brownson's uh, Bible, Bible Gender, Gender Sexuality, sexuality which was like, right ooh. over there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, wait, this is a super credible, theologically sound um argument for um god potentially blessing same-sex relationships so i'm like now moving in that direction um and when that came to a head um then there was there were conversations that had to be had so like hey it looks like i can't work here anymore mm. hey some of my closest friends hear these things i didn't get a ton of pushback um i think because you resigned of your own accord correct Ish. Um, that's a that is that classified information? That's that's a. I'll edit that question out. Okay, that is that is definitely a complicated question. No, yeah. um, I was told the best option would probably be for me to resign. Mm -hmm. um, we will say I, I was compelled. To, I did not want to resign. Mm -hmm. I, I could have continued doing my job well. I think, um, and you can leave that in there if you would like to. Okay. Because um, I think that's the truth, and I don't think it's incriminating per se. Yeah, um, it is what it is. Because like, I also like know like. That community decently well. Yeah. I know they're not horrible, horrible humans. No, not at all. They're dear, wonderful. That's what I think is very. That's what I think is very interesting too. Is that 
a lot of the people who I also know who are like uh, in non-affirming congregation, like that's kind of that's kind of where I land on it as well. So it's like they're doing their best, mm-hmm. like they're doing the best with what they know and what yep. they they can do. And, and they're a, they're working against so many tides, right? Like if you are a church that's affiliated in any way with a denomination, then like you're oh, not yeah. you're not an autonomous unit. You are bound in a lot of ways to what the the tide of your denomination is going. Yeah, and so I don't I don't know. I have a lot of I have a lot of grace for that in some ways because I know how thoroughly the people the leadership of my church wrestled. Like read mm. Brownson's book, read Matthew Vine's book, read so much. Like mm. really, really doing their homework and their legwork and inviting people like me into the conversation. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think is frustrating for me, at least with, with my church, is that the majority of people who are in leadership at my church, mm-hmm. I, I know that they're affirming. Mm-hmm. Um, if secretly, I can't, you know, they're never going to say so that. political, man. Yeah, because like I, people will fail to see, it's like, oh, if your church is not affirming, why are you going there? It's like, because I feel the Holy Ghost there. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really know how to say it other than the fact that I feel called there, which is such like, a silly thing to say, but just like I don't know what else to call it. I don't have language. You know what though? I don't. I don't think it's silly. I think it's. I think it's brave to say. Um, I feel called to a place that feels dangerous, or like it doesn't necessarily see me or embrace me. But it's where I'm bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. And it's where my relationships are um, bearing fruit, and and good is coming of them, and God is God is being glorified. Like I'm knowing Christ and making Christ known in these relationships, even though like damn it all, this situation mm. is not my favorite. Mm. But, I don't know, I uh, I can see both sides of that coin, I guess, yeah. is what I'm saying. And then I, the thing that like kind of frustrates me is, it's, I, I think it's mostly, I'm not even frustrated with the people, I'm frustrated with the systems. And I think that's mm-hmm. like, where I, where a lot of people will get, it. they'll try to attach their anger to a single person. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not a single person's choice whether or not they can celebrate your, yeah. you know, sexual orientation, gender identity. Mm-hmm. It's your, it's, think about your congregation, think about the network of churches that you're like, especially if you're a non-denom, if you're a non-denom, you're more than likely going to be a part of some form of a network of churches. Right. Um, and if you're non-denom, you come out of a, generally, you Southern come, Evangelical. You're post-Baptist. Like oh, post Baptist, I haven't read that one. I may, may have just coined it. Who can say? Um, but yeah, like I find that most non-denominational churches, from for all intents and purposes, function like a Baptist church without the explicit affiliation. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, or semi-Pentecostal. Ooh, with that's Bat- true. Like semi-Pentecostal with Baptist theology. Semi-Costal Baptist. Semi-Costal Baptist. Ooh, yeah. which is actually maybe the title of my memoirs. Who can say? Just kidding. Oh, look at Amelia. She's gorgeous. Um, Guys, what you need to know is that there is an enormous television screen behind us that is just playing um, pictures of all the people who live in this home. And they're all beautiful. Beautiful people live here, and beautiful photos just continue to cascade before us. Yeah. It's a true Uh, life. (laughs) There she comes. There she comes again. Thank God. Thank you. Remember that one time we didn't talk about dating at all? Go ahead.
<laughs> no, I was jumping into okay, that to bring, it, to bring it back. But I figure also, having a little bit of backstory on you... Never hurt anybody. Never hurt nobody. Sure. In fact, it empowered them. Yes. Ah! Praise God. Go on. So, let's talk about... Let's try to talk about dating, if we can. I know yeah, our, sure, sure. Um, so, dating is difficult. Mm-hmm. As, as people who are very committed to our faith um, and living it out as best we know how to. Right. And as people who have inherited some faulty narratives about what intimacy and sexuality should look like, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, the, the truth is that our faith is super important in terms of how we view dating, but in addition to that, there are all of these hang-ups that we have um, and, like, like, for me, I think for most people who grow up, um, feeling like your sexuality is not an option. Mm-hmm. Like, there are just these ways of thinking like, okay, this is inherently problematic. It's pathological. Mm-hmm. And so how on earth do I then shift my my views on that and, and make forays into the dating world, mm-hmm. as it were, um, in a way that's like healthy, appropriate, okay, given all of these things. Yeah. It's just it's just a, a shit show. Yeah, especially when it comes to sex, especially like as someone who like failed at the whole purity culture game. Mm. Yeah, especially like as like a queer person, like any queer person, like you grew up in purity culture and I kiss dating goodbye, mm-hmm. like you're autom- you automatically feel like this very and the, like I don't think I kiss dating goodbye ever really talked about homosexuality at all. Mm. Um, That's a book that, thanks be to God, I got to dodge. I never had to read that. Oh, God. I got it late enough to miss that wave. Good for you. Yeah. Um, But there was this, like, I remember growing up understanding that if I had sex outside of marriage, Mm -hmm. like, it was an an egregious sin. Sure. uh, Like, to be held to a higher standard among, above everything else. And so, like, I remember, like, the first time I had sex with somebody... Um, like the first guy I ever had sex with too was a stra- one a stranger two not good like he th- like he was so drunk to the point where he, like, he threw up That's like we're about to go go for it and he says hold on a second goes to the bathroom throws up and then wants to keep going like that's the level of drunk he was and so I think it's worth noting that like when sexuality is bound to narratives of shame then of course it's going to go like it's going to manifest itself in those sorts of scenarios that are like of course like i think this caricature of gay especially gay men mm -hmm. as like always in clubs always on drugs blah 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 blah. like when shame is the dominant force in terms of how you interpret the lens through which you interpret your sexuality like of course you're going to acted out in secretive, painful, like, non-lovely ways. Like, I think the more that um, homosexuality gets normalized in our, in our culture, the, the less it has, like, the less these weird stigmatized, I'll accept anything and, like, go to any lengths to try this out will be the dominant experience. But, I'm sorry that happened. (laughs) That sounds awful. Yeah. So I don't even know if I can count that as my first time. That was the first time I was like naked with a man. Sure. 
That's not true. Naked with a man. The Kevin Garcia. No, like mm, I'd say like the first chapter of the memoir. That can't be the title of the memoir. Yeah, actually, I lied. That's not the first time I was naked with a man, though. But ooh, that's another story for another time. But I like my 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 first boyfriend. Jeez. Still lives on the peripheries of my of like the peripheries of the peripheries of my social circles. So I always have like this fear that if I ever talk about what a nuisance. Like he could somehow find out. Not that it was a bad relationship. We were both young and dumb. Um, and he got better looking after we broke up. That's such a shame. Always. It's not fair. Not fair. Because, like, just like, uh, I'm just a good, but I'm a cheerleader. No. Mm. It was like, but I was like, I was like, I would, but I also like played like, I like the good, like the good soul syndrome, where like, I always believed that I was the good person and that I deserved good things to happen to me. Okay. Um, and demonize everybody else. Like, uh. that was my problem for a long time. And now I look back and I'm just like, oh, like, we were both young, and, uh... We all do stupid shit, yeah. Yeah. Like, I will say this, though. Go ahead. If you are listening to this, first boyfriend, I'm still mad at you for taking the red wine that I brought back from Italy and pre-gaming uh, it. He pre-gamed with it. Before he went to his frat party. That's tacky. You know what? Shame on him. Sir, whomever you are, wherever you might be, you've made a mistake, and you ought to own up to it. That way, mercy can enter in. Yeah. But yeah. until you... Own up to that moment. <laughs> it is over your head, sir. Burning coals. Burning coals. We shall. This is a Franklin heaping burning coals upon his head. Oh my God, that's just Psalms. Hallelujah. That's just a biblical prayer. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, what's been? What's been since? What do we call it? your second coming out? Your affirmation of your personhood? What do we? Do you have a term that you use? God, let me think. Let me take. Give me three seconds to generate a, a really cool way to refer to it. Um, what I would call it is the second great awakening. Amen. Um, Amen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I just made that up. Um, I like it. No. Yeah. So post. Um, post all the wading through the evangelical muck and coming to a place of believing theologically that the Lord might be willing to bless my sexuality and it might not actually be this horrible, horrible thing. Yes, horrific, horrific, like, blemish upon my soul. Alright, post that. What's your question? Um, I'm gonna move this closer. Please. That way. Check, check. Yes, it's fine. Because like now we're like moving towards like more loungy. Oh, perfect! I live yeah. to lounge. <laughs> I hate to stand. I Don't really do too. No, yeah, I would always prefer to be seated. Good God! Now, uh, round two, fireside chat. I'm gonna say I still have about a third of a beer. I feel fine. I mean, you can grab me one. If... I'll I'll get it in a second. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. Post second great awakening. Stop yelling. We're lounging. I'm not yelling. This is how I was talking before. Uh-huh. The mic's closer. Now I you know. Gotta be, you gotta be aware of your microphone, baby. Well, usually, I never mind. Wherever you are, I believe that the heart does go on. Something good in there to yeah. be preserved. Yeah. Ask me a question. Post second great awakening. Yeah. What's been, um, what's been the most 
difficult thing about your what's been what's been difficult about mm-hmm. trying to find a suitable suitor? I would love to answer this question because it is so easy to answer. <laughs> um, what has been the trickiest? I think is that. Um, so I think for for many many LGBT folks who have engaged in abstinence for some period of time who have shifted from the side B to the side A side of things, um, there's what I've heard termed a second adolescence. Yeah. Which is yeah, it's this it's this sense that I really missed out on dating, on smooching folks, on getting to know people, mm-hmm. on this process that like and just like else, or even just like the fact of just like I'm trying to figure out who I really am. Or like, hey, it's okay that I think someone's cute. Like I don't have like to about take it. that thought the captive and submit yeah. it to Jesus. Like I can just see, think somebody's cute and it's fine. Yeah, like, I I'm, still deal with that sometimes. To yeah, be absolutely. So like in this this second adolescence, like. The temptation is then to say, like, everyone else got to do this when they were 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever. Now I get to go crazy. I'm going to go, like, smooch everyone in America. I'm going to get to know all these people. I'm going to whatever. So, like, there's that temptation, which I think that a great many folks are dealing with who find themselves in this situation. Um, But it's tempered with, it's, like, paired with the deeply ingrained, I think, like, beautiful, holy, good narrative of, like, what intimacy and fidelity are meant to be. So, like, I think, I think that the Lord has written on my heart through years of, um, walking with Him, like, I want to be intimate and close with somebody, um, not for the short term. I want it to be for the long haul. Like, I, I think fidelity is perhaps like my, like the virtue to which I aspire the most. So what it means to um, commit to someone and see what that makes of you, you know, like to say you are my person and whatever this ends up looking like, like certainly it's going to go through permutations, but like we are going to learn from each other what it looks like to die to ourselves and give to the other and um, put the other before ourselves and to. Um, see how God sanctifies us through that process. I think that being single is a sanctifying process and being in a relationship is a sanctifying process. And one is not better than the other inherently. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you aspire to relationship, if you are a Christian person, if you are truly looking to grow in the image of Christ, then like sanctification has to factor into it. Mm. So if I'm now in this strange balancing act between, on the one hand, wow, I want to... M- meet everybody and maybe kiss everybody and uh, like get to know all of these people who I've not given myself permission to and on the other hand really want to make sure that I remember that like relationship is meant to be um, the the testing ground the proving ground of generosity and hospitality and vulnerability and um, neighbor love like if those two things have to be juxtaposed then how do I How do I live at that fulcrum well? How do I stand in that middle ground and say, I'm going to get to know folks, but I'm also not going to accept um, a kind of skewed version of relationality or um, romanticism that is purely about self-gratification. 
Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like I, I think there's some grace for that. Like I, truly, I think if you've spent years of like in self abnegation, like I'm not going to do this. I think there's some grace for like, man, I need to kind of test the waters. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's heretical. Who can say? But who can? Um, I mean, people will listen to this already and say it's like, shit, heresy. Yeah. But um, once you move past that place of like, yeah. all right, I'm testing the waters. At some point, like, you can't just wade around in the shallows for the rest of your life. Like, you have to go into the deep end. You're going to have to figure out, all right, cool, if this is now permissible, how do I do it well? Um, Ooh. Ooh. You like that, baby? Yes. So. For everyone who doesn't know that reference, like, it's like, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Mm -hmm. So, if it is. That's just Bible. That's just the Bible. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I've always really enjoyed about. That's my brother Paul. Sorry, go ahead. What I really enjoy about you is that you do have such a high view of scripture mm-hmm. and high view of Christian orthodoxy mm-hmm. that I I don't find myself bucking against um, because it comes from a place of just like, this is what I believe, this is what has been beneficial for, beneficial for my life, you can take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... So many people, and like what, what I think is also different from, okay, answer me this question. Go ahead. Sex before marriage, do you believe it, what, what are your thoughts on sex before marriage? Um. Especially. <laughs> what a life. transition, how dare you? Um, especially what? Um, I guess like especially in light of the fact that so many of us don't live up to, I guess, uh, the traditional idea that sex should be purely reserved between a covenant marriage between uh, mm-hmm. two people. Mm-hmm. Um, God. All right. I'm about to say a lot of things, and you can edit to your heart's desire. Um, so when Before I... Before you say that, do you need another beer? You might as well fetch them. Hallelujah. Um, I'm going to keep talking because I'm ready. Um, okay. So... Before I became a Christian, as an outsider, observing the Christian faith, but really observing Christian practitioners, um, I could tell that for a great many Christians, and, and Christianity looks like a monolith from the outside. It looks like all Christians believe the same things, and here it is. So like, we have to remember that. Um, from the outside, I remember thinking the worst things that Christians can fathom are abortion, being gay, and then right after that, sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the worst things that a person can do. Um, and I think that that is, I think still, in the evangelical culture, I would say that's a pretty accurate assessment yeah. of how folks see things. I agree. Um, those, to me, are not weighted biblically appropriately so like when we think about like what it means I don't know that God, so many things to say um, so when people say all sin is the same I don't think that's the case like mm. certainly all sin has the same effect of clouding our hearts in terms of receiving God's love um, I think sin has different effects if I um, take your pencil because I'm a teacher like and kids steal pencils that to me is not the same thing as if I kill somebody. Like certainly there are different effects of this sort of sin than this other one, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think that those 
have the same consequences. Of course not. You know, so like that's just worth noting. I think that's an absurdity that people sort of defend in in a well-meaning way. But like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so when we think about what it means to have sex before marriage, then we also have to think through like what what is the purpose of marriage? What is the purpose of sex? Um, what is God? looking to offer people not just like what is he looking to forbid because I think that that's such a silly metric for thinking through um, what God wants to do for people and with people but like what does God want sex to be for people what's the gift of sex all about Um, I can say I think that sex is very much about um, what it means to be vulnerable before another person what it means to um connect with and really see another person like see in a figurative sense like to really um, have a person laid bare before you Um, I do think it is meant to be unitive and generative and so what I mean by that is um, sure Uh, I think that sex is an act that makes two people into one like this this analogy. That's the Hebrew for one flesh. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, this, yeah, this like metaphor, this this way of thinking of like two people being joined. Um, I think it's a pity if that happens as a one-off or casually. Um, so I can say that unequivocally. Like I think casual sex is is a misnomer. I think it's an oxymoron. I think sex can't should not be casual. I think it's not meant to be a casual act. Yeah, and um, and like no shade on people who have no, of course not. Of... Like I have, yeah. but I I recognize that I don't think that's that's the best it can be. Yeah, that's my, that's always been my thing. Is that like I think sex like sex at its best is all is always going to be expressed within covenant relationship. Sure, and like funny enough, and like if this is too boring, please edit it out. But, like, I feel like the ways that I think about sex and relationship, I, like, largely are due to my reading of Wendell Berry. Um, So Wendell Berry is this beautiful, like, farmer slash poet, novelist, essayist, this wonderful, brilliant, now very old man who talks a lot about fidelity to land, what it means to belong to a certain place and to cultivate it and to take care of it and to belong to it. Um, and so he writes about, like, a farmer should intimately know his land and be um, committed to its fruitfulness above all else. And you don't just strip mine. You don't, like, come in and, like, rip up all the best that the land has to offer and then move on to another place. Are you listening to Dakota Pipeline people? Yeah. God have mercy there. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like... What matters is that you would get to know a place so well that you are able to assist its bearing fruit for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And there are things that you can only learn if you are committed for the long haul. So when I think about what I want sex to be for me, I want it to be my way of being connected to someone and my way of um, being committed to that other person's fruitfulness for the long haul. Um, have I, have I gotten that 
screwed up occasionally. Oh yeah. Sure. Do I think that the Lord thinks that's more repugnant than any other way that I don't, you know, any other way that I'm self-serving? No. Um, so, like, I don't know. I, I guess, like, the, the, like, to take all of that and distill it into an easy or shorter answer. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm... There's no easy or short answers on this podcast, please. I am currently asking questions about mm-hmm. that. I'm currently thinking through... Um, what I think sex and relationship and marriage and fidelity looks like. Yeah. Um, I don't. I I think that we've been spoon fed easy answers that have been destructive, that have not been helpful. Yeah. And I would rather see people make mistakes while asking good questions than like safeguard their actions while their hearts be in all kinds of like ugly Ooh. dark places. You know, or like Ooh. just like painful, unassisted, like left in the dark. Your pastor can't help you because you're not allowed to say anything. Places those those are just like weird, yucky positions to be. So there's that. Dang. My job. Everyone, take a sip. Mm-hmm. I gotta pop this second beer if I'm gonna give my really good answers. Oh my gosh. What are we doing on? On time. Sorry. Please don't knock the mic. Um, can I ask you a question? How have oh, you... yeah. I haven't... I don't usually get asked questions on this podcast. Oh, this is exciting. I live for a conversation, personally. Um, how have you dealt with... Um... <laughs> <laughs> He's already giggling, ladies and gentlemen. Stay giggling. What kind? Stay giggling. That's what oh. I do. Stay giggling 2017. I, or, I wasn't sure if you said... No. Gay giggling. That um, too. Good giggling. Good giggling. Uh, all right. My question to you is: How have you um, dealt with or made sense of um, the line between attraction and lust? Oh, moving to side A. Man alive! This one is always so tricky for me because I am someone who, again. Coming through second adolescence again, it's just you want to, like, I always tell people, I want you to feel everything that you feel mm-hmm. and be okay with the fact that you feel those things because those things are good. Right. But I think there is a point, and I know this is true about myself, especially Shit. when it comes. Good okay. job. Everything's fine. Everything's good. I'll go ahead. Sorry, baby. Um, I think there is a point. Um, um, I, I hold this standard for myself, mm-hmm. and I think other people should hold themselves, especially as baptized people, to the standard of what, what Jesus gave us. When Jesus said, "Just like when you uh, when you lust after a woman in your mind, you commit adultery." Mm. Um, and sure, yeah. And you know, if I would apply that same standard to myself, just like you know, when I look at a guy in lust, when I look at like. When I see him as an object for me to use, mm-hmm. um, to self-gratify myself, and I, and I, I, and I, being the romantic that I am, I, I don't typically will say like it's not so much a sexual thing, but I'll just I'll make idols out of people. Mm-hmm. Like I'll meet a person, um, be it online or be it, yeah. especially because like gay Christians, we're so spread out. Like you know, we meet each other online all the time, and we connect with each other online. And I have a horrible habit of 
making, like, becoming mildly, like, and I don't want to beat myself up for it, but... Well, we say it's safe to say, like, your tendency is to be like, what if he's the one? Yes. Like, I think that's the way to, like, encapsulate it. Like, I think you're always like, but what if he's the one? Yeah. He's handsome, yeah. he loves Jesus, what else do you need? Yeah, and that's pretty much what it boils down to sometimes. Yeah. And uh, To go back to the original question of, like, lust and whatnot... Um, I think that there is a, I think that's, like, the next step in, like, the gen, like, it'll probably be, like, in the next generation of, of queer Christians coming up who are going to be known from the get-go that they're okay, mm-hmm. and are Ooh, in, I actually, sorry, I'm really excited about what you're saying. Yeah. Because, like, if you know from the get-go that you're okay, and you can go through your teen years having your, you know your actual adolescence and, like, going through those, like, tricky, weird things and mm-hmm. take whoever you want to prom and be able to date from a young age. I feel right. like when those kids get to college, post-college, career, like, mid-20s, right. um, they're going to be able to temper a lot of their experiences, like, knowing that, like, not having to deal with a lot of the same shit. Where like, but, <clears throat> can I interrupt you? Yeah. Like, let's be really honest. We, as guys in church culture have been in majority straight male prayer groups lust is not a gay issue yes okay like let's go ahead and say that first and foremost like most dudes in church are working really hard to figure out what the fuck am I supposed to do with the fact that I really want to have sex does that make me a villain does that make me and most people like what make people like someone that God is opposed to Exactly, people shove it down so yeah. far, and then like, and then they're secretly masturbating, and then they feel bad about masturbating. Sure. And what I think needs to happen, I love what you just said about like the next generation of queer Christians are going to. I think what will be different is that they won't have the the added layer of shame mm-hmm. that and stigma that it is same sex attraction. Yeah, and so then it's it's a level playing field where now all Christians. Mm-hmm are having to ask themselves the questions of what does it look like to genuinely affirm the humanity of the person in front of me mm-hmm. while acknowledging my attraction to this person. Um, yeah. We need new methods. We need new... Ways of talking about this. New ways of talking about it because what we've done in terms of like trying to avoid lust has really just made it secret and shameful. Yeah. We've not... We've even not, in, even in like, side A Christianity, yeah. too. Because, like... Yeah, we've not we've not done good work in terms of what mm-hmm. it means to... Um, I think the only way you can avoid sin is to pursue something better. So, like, you can't just avoid lust. Mm-hmm. You have to pursue the, like, getting to know and caring about the humanity of the person in front of you. Yeah. And that's something I thought about a lot, too. And I, I kind of used it as a tactic when I was pretty side B. Because mm-hmm. anytime I was attracted to a guy, I would just become friends with him. And once Same. I was able to become friends with him... Same. I was able to say, oh, that's my brother. I don't want to be lusted for my brother. My brother in Christ. I cannot do it. I cannot do it my brother. That is him. Say, sure. Oh, <laughs> stop. But I'm done it. Oh, no. Your name. <laughs> Good God. I got peas, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Praise God. Also, I'm going to be 32 on Sunday. How do you feel, buddy? I feel great. Honestly, I mean, I've, I've said this year after year, and although it's like tougher to say it this year, 
Um, I think if you're like learning and growing and you're not making the same mistakes you did when you were younger, then like getting older is a lovely thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting. I'm looking to get wiser. If I'm getting wiser, I feel okay. Yeah. Um, also, I have some cute gray hairs that I'm really thrilled about. I've seen them. I enjoy. Thank those. you, sparkling silvers. I have approximately five. <laughs> uh, just limited wisdom, but here I am to worship. What, is it? what does it say? Queer I am to worship. Um, <laughs> that's going to be the album that we come out with. I mean, um, uh, Proverbs says uh, the the gray gray hair is a crown, crown of, of glory. Crown of glory. I've heard crown of glory. I think that's King James. I'm gonna be honest. I just live, live for those given to those who have lived a righteous life. I just want a gray crown. That's like, all. I TBH, want. whatever. Glory. Give me that crown. Give me the crown. Give me, I want the crown. Yes, I got treasures laid up in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I also think, I think it's like, I think a lot of this is going to like come from like... What a meandering. I know. Little podcast. Yeah. Going back to what we were talking about a second ago. Uh-huh. I think that there's going to be a lot of reframing like in the next 10 years. Yeah. There's going to be, oh my God, think about the next 10 years. I know, man. It's so it's, weird. It's actually, it's, well, and I don't want to talk about this for any amount of time, but like given the, the president elect, it's a little Ugh. bit nerve wracking. But I don't, I don't think that can actually stem the tide. Like I think, oh, absolutely not. What is happening in terms of, especially in, um, just like the circles of, the like gay Christian circles. Like I think mm. that the swell of humans who want to affirm LGBT folks and say mm. like you matter as people, you're not discounted, mm-hmm. as, it, even as Christians, like. You get to be Christian and your faith and your um, connection to the Lord and how the Lord might bless relationships is not void. Um, I don't know. That's just, that's just thrilling for me to think about. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm hoping that, like, I don't, I, I don't think that what happened with my story in terms of, like, leaving my position, position at the church is, like, some beautiful martyr story. But I would love to see that not have to happen for the next yeah. generation. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that not be the thing that takes place for mm-hmm. um, kids down the road. Yeah, you know that makes me excited too. Like you, because like me coming from missionary world and like mm-hmm. coming out not being able to stick around. Yeah, for obvious reasons, I think that's going to be so cool. And I still have it in my head. Because like, then you get to deal with bigger issues. Like, like once we get past the sexuality issue, yeah, do you know like, how much shit we can get done? Then you, well, but then, like, you personally dealing with sanctification, then you can deal with greed. Then you can deal with pride. Then you can deal with, like, envy. Then you can deal with so many other things that the Lord wants to redeem. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, we don't have to make this idol of sexuality. We don't have to make this, like... Or marriage even. Too. Yes, absolutely. Like we don't have to say like the end all be alls to get married or the end all be alls to never touch yourself. Yeah, touch yourself or be in a gay relationship. Like those, I just can't imagine that those are God's primary like interests when He looks at how He wants to care for His children. Yeah, like what He wants to or, offer His kids. Yeah, or on top of that, or the earth. Sure. Like yeah, how are we going to steward creation? Like. TBH, the point is not, like, how am I going to, like, we've made, uh, I'm going to tell a story for, like, three seconds. When we, when our church um, was opening a second location, we went and checked out this, like, space that this church had been in before us that we were now beginning to rent. And written 
all over the walls of the children's room was, you are the star of God's story. And I yelled, no, no, you're not. It's not true. No, you... I was kidding. No, you should No, you're wrong. No, don't be into that. No, you're not the star of God's story. Jesus is the star of God's story. And when we think that, like, we are the center of what God is up to, then we then we get angry at God when he's not helping us achieve our goals. And yeah. we get frustrated when what we have aimed for in our lives is not coming to pass because God is not assisting us. If we were to shift it and realize Jesus is the star of God's story, then we would recognize like reconciling love, forgiveness, inviting in the broken and the outcast. That is what God is up to, and it's our job to work it out. Like it's our job to be tangible demonstrations of it. We should be getting on, getting in on what God is up to, not vice versa. Ooh. Then, then you have a very legitimate picture of what the church is supposed to do in terms of making the gospel credible. And so, there's all of that. Like I just think that was such a very Lutheran moment for you. I don't know, man. Um, and I, honestly, I think just like I can see you, Nadia, and my girl Nicole Garcia. Who's the first trans Latina woman to be ordained in the Lutheran Church? I mean, um, I'm very here for all the things. I would love to sit and chat with these beautiful humans. Um, um, I just, I just think that so often we get, we we get the cart before the horse, and we mistake like what our mission should be and what we should be up to. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, it's not supposed to be like you getting everything you want. It's supposed to be you God's... Not, like, g- die to yourself. Yeah, God's dream for creation should be coming true yeah. all around us, and we should, be, we should be putting our hand to it. Like, what is God doing near you? Where is love in action near you? What would love look like? Do it. And there you're going to find Jesus. And Ooh. it's not going to be in... And that's the thing, too. Like, it's not going to be in whether or not you do or don't have big gay sex. It's not going to be... It's not going to be, like... It like God's kingdom is bigger than that, and like yes, that matters. But like, are you loving the the folks who who don't look lovable around you? Like, if you if you are horrified by who Trump is, what does it look like to love the Trump supporter? Isn't that terrifying? Like, isn't that something none of us mm-hmm. wants to do? Or vice versa? Like, whatever it might be, how can you extend? goodness and care and like will for the well-being of the person whom you don't think matters or like don't like the person for whom you have disdain that's all i have to say about that who can say how we got to that place cheers mate. cheers perhaps the fireside chat has gotten me the fireside chat it also has um teddy good old teddy on is the... it teddy fdr yeah it was fdr because it was the same time as uh, Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. who did something similar, I might add. Yeah. Um, I've been watching a lot of The Crown on Netflix. And What's that? I just watched most of The Imitation Game before I got over here. Oh, and so Shit. Man. Tried to wreck me, but I left before it could. I know. It'll, it'll make you cry at the end. Don't worry. Go back and finish it. You go to sign. Sometimes. And this Christmas will be a very special Christmas for me.
It must have been the mistletoe, the lazy fire, the fallen snow, the magic in the frosty air, that feeling everywhere. It must have been the pretty lights that glistened in the silent night, or maybe just the stars so bright that shined above you. That was my conversation with Daniel Bath. I hope you loved it. Daniel is uh, working on trying to get his blog up, and it is a blessing to the world. So, Daniel, when you're listening to this, get your freaking blog working. It's called To Dwell Upon a Word. You can check it out at todwelluponaword.wordpress.com. And eventually, it's just going to be danielclyatebass.com because I'm going to make him redo his website. You heard it here first, folks. We're making him into a blogger. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much... And you can also check him out on Instagram at Daniel Clyde Bass if you want to follow. Yes, he's single. Yes, he has a job. No, we're not dating. Um, so if you want to holler, slide into those DMs, y'all. Slide into them like a good pair of skinny jeans. Oh, that got weird. I'm going to... I got to go now. Um, so, yeah. Um, shout out to my Patreon supporters for being amazing and helping me with this creative process. There's some new things happening with my Patreon, so please keep an eye on my Patreon page, ways that you can partner with me, and ways that you can even get your name on the inside of my first book. Hopefully, if the things go that route. So, why don't you check out patreon.com slash Garcia and learn how you can be a supporter today. On top of that, I'm a part of the Bedlam Podcast Network, a collective of creatives sounding off on things that matter. Everything from movies to... Uh, politics, everything from um, creative living to living with anxiety. It's a really, really great array of shows, and I hope you'll check it out. Go to bedlampodcasts.com to check out all of our shows. Additionally, if you want to, you know, advertise, get your stuff out there, the Bedlam Podcast Network is a great way for you to reach the audiences you need to reach and also make a little quant on the side by getting your products sold. What's better than that? Check out bedlampodcast.com and learn more about that as well. Uh, I think that's all from me this week. I love you. I think you're fantastic. And I will see you soon. Uh, Yeah, this has been a tiny revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Mwah. Uh, cool. It's recording. Oh, yeah, yeah.